Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Music Wing Podcast, Episode 6. I'm Michael Wade. I'm Matt Harden. I'm Colin Faye. And I'm Isabel Garland. First up, we have some announcements, as usual. So, uh, seniors, please check your email and submit the form uh, so we can celebrate your accomplishments and uh, just get those get those in, keep them coming. Um, we've had some good ones. None in the last week, so <laughs> help us out. Um, secondly, um, we are uh, still working on Virtual Band 4, which is uh, Pomp and Circumstance. So if you would like to celebrate a senior in your life, um, please uh, please do that. Um, and then finally, uh, I just want to extend a huge congratulations to the members of our new student leadership team. Uh, anyone who auditioned, really, you should feel very, very proud of your work and know that whether you have a title or not, you're going to be a huge part of um, what we're going to build together moving into the future. And I think without question, it is going to be one of the most challenging times uh, we have ever faced in, in education. So um, I'm glad to have such a great team on board with that. Over Matt, to you, you Colin. Absolutely right. Definitely some unprecedented times that we're in at the moment. And more importantly, we're still trying to figure out what's going on for next year, friends. So uh, that will be mm, something that we sort of try to keep you guys updated with. A um, <clears throat> few things from the drama side. Uh, eboard elections and interviews are in full swing meaning that uh, I had some great interviews with students yesterday that I'm actually going to touch base a little bit on later on. Uh, I had an interview with a student today. I'll be having interviews tomorrow. And long story short, the definitives for next year's Drama Club elected board will be coming out next week. Big thank you, similar to what uh, Matt said at the beginning here, massive thank you to everyone who's applied and has sort of come out and uh, expressed interest in wanting to uh, better the department and the club. It's really an inspirational thing, especially in all of these hard times to see you all come out. So kudos to every single one of you, no matter what the end, uh, what it ends up being on that end. Uh, one other thing here, a few other things rather. Um, the Massachusetts Educational Theater Guild is holding their virtual drama festival, which will be starting on May 18th. Uh, I have issued a Google form that they have given to me in relation to permission that needs to be completed by all individuals that were in our drama festival production this year. That means if you were a part of Scheme of the Driftless Shifter, we need your permission forms filled out. In order for us to live stream our recorded performance of Driftless Shifter, we need those permission forms. A lot of you guys have done a good job so far, so kudos to those of you who have filled it out. It only takes a few minutes and you do it with your parent or guardian. So uh, if that happens to be you and you have not done so, please do so ASAP. Uh, senior awards. So we need, uh, this is actually a personal thing for me. I sent out a Google form a little while ago in relation to drama club superlatives. Uh, those came back and have helped us immensely. So thank you all very much. But at the same time, some of you guys nominated awards for specific, uh, for specific seniors at the same time, I did not actually get specific names of who nominated those seniors. So if you are somebody who completed that portion of the Google form in relation to a specific senior that you wanted to give an award for, you need to reach out to me personally because otherwise I don't know 
who submitted these awards. We want to make sure that our seniors are being honored. And at the same time, we want to make sure that they know who is honoring them. So please reach out to me if that is the case for you. And last thing I'm going to say is a bit similar to what uh, Mr. Harden has said, and I know that um, I know that Mr. Wade is going to bring this up as well. The Drama Club is hoping to do senior honorary posts on our Instagram. Uh, info will be coming out for that soon, probably in the form of a Google form. And again, we want to celebrate you guys. So seriously, we, we, we're not trying to be <laughs> we're not trying to be, uh, you know, a broken record in any sense, but we really do want to get these responses back in, whether it be for band or chorus or for drama, so that we can honor you. Uh, we really do appreciate everything that you've done, and we want everybody to sort of acknowledge that as well. That is all from drama this week. Thanks, Colin. Well, I think it goes without saying that I would like to receive your spotlight forms. Uh, I think that we all would. And I think their time is a charm. So I'm reminding you here, you have a form in your email from me, seniors, <laughs> saying that there are spotlight forms that we would like you to fill out. So please send it my way. It is a very, very quick, easy thing. And we really want to celebrate you. Um, starting next week, I will be sending out practice tracks for everybody for Homeward Bound. If you're an upperclassman, you know the song already, so it should be a quick learn. Freshman, if you need extra help on it, um, just shoot me an email. I'm more than happy to talk about it with you, uh, work through any problem spots. But you'll find it's pretty straightforward, uh, and the melodies and harmonies are pretty uh, pretty quick to pick up, too. Uh, so I'll be sending that to you next Monday. And seniors, I will send you practice tracks for your senior song, but you need to pick your senior song still. So make sure that you do that. I, we had a great meeting last week with most everyone there. And I know you have a group chat now. So uh, if you're listening to this now, please just take the time and figure out what you want and we'll get it going. And that's all from me. All right. Thank you, everyone. And uh, so <laughs> we're going to be a little bit freeform today because there's a lot we could talk about because uh, there's a lot going on. Um, but uh, I think, I think, uh, you know, um, and uh, Isabel's going to talk about this a little bit later, but uh, tis the season for interviews, uh, whether you're interviewing for scholarships or jobs or other things. Um, so we thought we'd maybe start by talking a little bit about our interview experience and maybe some tips and tricks of the trade. Um, so, I guess uh, for for the for the group, um, what are your favorite go to strategies when you're going into an interview? How do you prepare and how do you I make think sure you know? For it? me personally, um, what has always been the most important for me, or at least has always worked best for me, and it's kind of the same way with performing a little bit. Maybe you guys can speak to this end. Is just the ability to go in comfortable. And the ability to go in confident and whatever that means for the interview sort of is how I would come at it. You know, um, if I were to come back around to say the interview that I had for uh, the, the lovely job that I have right now, the <laughs> Hanover drama director position. Um, when I went into there, I really, uh, I actually remember that morning I spent 
a considerable amount of time doing a little bit of meditating and really just sort of thinking about what I thought was most important in being a drama director and being a drama teacher. And uh, as much as you want to quote unquote, get the right answer, sometimes I think it's not about getting the right answer, but it's about giving the most honest answer that you can give. And if it's really in line with your principles and your ideals, then it's just on the other side of the table, then the ball's in the interviewer's court to make the decision as to whether that fits well. Um, I know personally, I've had situations where you have a job interview and you think it goes absolutely phenomenal and then you don't get the job or vice versa. Uh, So I will say that, that if you find yourself leading up to a job interview, getting massively stressed out and anxious, yes, that is something that happens. Absolutely. Do the best that you can to just sort of remind yourself that um, you can only do what you can do. You can only present uh, who you are and you're not going to lie and try to make anything up. And if that works for the position you're going for, then all the best things will come out of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you can sum that up really nicely. It's just, you want to be your true authentic self. You want to show authenticity in your interview because it's really apparent when you're trying to be what you think someone thinks you should be. Um, I interviewed for a couple jobs after I finished grad school before I got this one. And um, I'd be going into my first job interview after grad school. I obviously I had a lot of knowledge. I had been working with a lot of really phenomenal musicians, professional musicians, um, felt like I had a lot to offer and had already had some teaching experience. So I went into that interview and I had like really thought about, you know, what is my philosophy of music education and like, what do I want to present about what I know about this subject? Um, But what ended up happening in the interview was I tried so hard to sort of show off my knowledge that I came off as uh, kind of like, not maybe a jerk, but I didn't come off in the true sort of like authentic self that you know who I am, you know, like, it's You know, like I, nobody likes to know it all guys. And it's uh, like, you can, it's good to be a pair and to think about what kind of questions you might be asked in consideration for what the job is that you're going for. But you have to, at the same time, show your personality and not be so, so sure that you have to, you're giving the right answer, like the textbook, like beautifully crafted, uh, like answer that you think they want to hear. And I, oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Max. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you're, you're, you're saying exactly what I was going to say. Um, I would, no, no, that's great. Um, you know, uh, and, and I think authenticity and, uh, being yourself is, is a great place to start. I would also say sort of as a, as a corollary to that, don't sell yourself short either. I, as someone who has a really, really hard time talking about myself in a positive way, uh, you know, whether it be on an application or anything like that, like sometimes we try, like in an effort to be humble, we try, yeah. we sort of undersell ourselves. So, you know, and that, and that's because we, we are inherently team players, you know, and we are, um, you know, always trying to look out for, you know, we're all in this together. It wasn't just me. It was all of these other people, but in a job interview, you really, you're, you're trying to sell yourself. Um, and it's a delicate balance between what Mikey was saying, you know, you need to be careful not to 
come across as overly confident and overly sort of braggy, but at the same time, there's a, there's a, you know, uh, you, there's a potential yeah. to go the other yeah. way. And, it, and it's, mm-hmm. I think what's, what else is kind of interesting just to go off of that, Matt, cause you're absolutely right. What else is interesting is the idea of, and I don't do well with this either, <laughs> but the idea of talking yourself up like it's such a it's such a strange and maybe it isn't for everybody but like i completely relate in the sense that it really is a strange thing to sort of be like i i do this well and these are the things that i know but at the same time it's just like well if you do do those things well and these are the things that you know you can definitely present that without coming off as uh, conceited or, or like, like, like Mike said, like a jerk, like, you know, it, nobody wants to work with a jerk. I think that's the other thing too. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, as a, as someone who's a, a former administrator and has been on many hiring, you know, um, groups and committees and all of that, you know, that's a, that's a big question is, you know, as the committee is looking at it, your administrators are looking at it from the standpoint as, and I guess this is specific to education, but I mean, I think for any management yeah, it'd be the same yeah. scenario, you're looking, you, you know, you're looking for someone who's going to be a good member of the team that they, that's reliable, that's dependable, um, that is uh, working, you know, with the end in mind that understands what it means to be um you know, a contributor and part of the culture. And, uh, I think the only other thing I would add to that is you are also interviewing. Yes. Um, yeah. really it's, good it's, point. You know, you know, you're, you're trying to determine whether your culture and your, um, you know, personality fits in with, with what's being, um, displayed by the interview committee. So I think it, it's, it is a two way street. And I think, I mean, it seems weird, like, especially if you're looking for a job and you need a job to be like, oh, well, it doesn't really fit with my personality, but you are trying to determine whether maybe waiting for a little bit or another opportunity might be better for you long-term because, you know, you get into the wrong culture and then you're there for a year and then, you know, or two years and then you end up going somewhere else, you know, having, having that bounce around effect is also sort of a, a, a red flag for a lot of people. Yeah. Every, inter- every uh, single job interview you know, I've ever gone for, I've always gone in with a question or two in mind of what I would like to ask them because it's showing them that you care about the job that you're going for. You yes. Have, yes. You've done research um beforehand um like for instance when i was going to grad school i was asking them very specific questions about the program for all my interviews and it, it took some of them aback for sure to be like oh wow we did a great question actually or, we haven't actually been asked this one before um you know i i think i asked in one of my one of like indiana maybe it was like well what do you what do you love the most about this school and the answers i got were so so genuine and, and great. Like I just knew from the way that they answered that question that it was the best fit for me because of the way they felt about the school and the institution that they worked for. Very important. That, that's so that's so massively important. Absolutely. And I, I Matt, I really love that idea of interviewing them because it's just like, you know, if you're going in sometimes you can go into an interview and feel um helpless feel like you're just at the mercy of whatever questions come your way and that it, 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 especially in situations where you may not feel entirely prepared. 
So it's good to have something in your arsenal. And Mike's absolutely right. That idea of like, just have a question, even one, even one shows that you've spent some time before walking in and sitting down across from this person to actually think about what the future is with this or what you could actually get to in getting that job. Or maybe you just want more specifics or something like that. One thing, and it's funny, the one thing that I I actually really do want to put out there in relation to interviews, and it kind of came from when I started auditioning for college, is dress, dress the way that you feel most comfortable and confident in. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I remember, um, (laughs) it's not a good look friends. I'm acknowledging it now, but like for all of my interviews, I wore this like Aladdin esque vest. For some reason I was just like really into like looking, (laughs) looking like a two rate, like magician or something. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but at the same time, it was my favorite vest. And no matter what audition or interview that I went into, I was like, I look good. And I was like, I was like that uh, in itself, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but that within itself gave me enough confidence to even just walk in the door, let alone sing a song, recite a monologue, talk with heads of departments. Like it can be a lot. So it's just like any way, again, any way that you can sort of boost yourself up and make yourself feel comfortable and, and, you know, in control of yourself. That to me is like, it's paramount. I was surprised how much um, I learned in school about like dressing the part was such a focus. Um, Like at UMass, whenever we did any music ed observation, it was always make sure you you're dressing like a professional teacher or wear your teacher costume, wear Wear your your teacher costume. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And that kind of opened my eyes that I think a lot of my friends too um, at being able to dress like you care, I guess, is what I would say. Um, yeah, and yeah, absolutely. Clean. <laughs> um, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and because that will also make a statement if they think that even and you, it doesn't even have to be like a full suit and tie. Maybe it's just like a button down, just a, maybe a step up from what you would normally wear, like on a daily basis. Like right now I'm wearing like jeans and a T-shirt. If I was going to go for an interview, I'd probably wear like um, either like a blazer and suit suit pants or something like that, where it's it's just a one step up. It doesn't necessarily have to be like you're going to the ball or something. <laughs> Isabel, I just have a I just have a quick question for you, just because um, uh, you brought up this topic, which is fantastic. Uh, it's a, I love talking about this idea of interviewing. Where you're at at the moment right now what do you find to be like most helpful for you in relation to setting up an interview? Because obviously you're, you're going on a couple of different interviews uh, these days, right? So actually my first one is tomorrow. Um, I found out about it today. Oh yeah. Congratulations (laughs) though. Thank you. Um, I have one scheduled. So tomorrow I have um, New Bedford and then next week I have Worcester and North Andover. And um, it's interesting because different jobs might ask you different things. So like Worcester wanted an example of me singing. Um, They wanted an example of me playing my instrument and um, and like a sample lesson plan. But um, like New Bedford didn't necessarily ask for that per se. Um, 
so I guess it's I've been also organizing anything that they could possibly ask for. So like my resume, I know exactly where that is in my computer at all times. Anything involving like my transcript or anything they could possibly ask for. I have a folder. I know exactly where it is. I can send it to them lickety split. Um, but it's going to be interesting because these will all be over Zoom or Google Meets. Like Google That's Hangouts. true. So That's true. It'll be very... Um, different than what I would have anticipated. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's, there's so much about the, like the, the chemistry of the room. Absolutely. Yeah. I imagine everybody's, you know, everybody's probably, I mean, on both sides of the interview table is probably, you know, suffering in some <laughs> way from not having that yeah, um, I, interaction. I you know thrive I mean? off of social cues. So I, same, <laughs> I'm going to like make a joke and something's going to happen in the Zoom. It's going to like cut out. And I'm like, dang, like this is my one chance to, you know, impress. I hope nothing like that gets all wonky or anything. <laughs> I think the wildest thing that I've ever been asked to do for an interview is when I was moving from New York to Massachusetts and the list of things that I had to perform and or, you know, participate in in the interview was <laughs> kind of crazy. Like it was everything from I had to do like an oral skills test. Um, I had to do a conducting demonstration to a recording. Um, I had to do like a, a mock lesson. Wow. I mean, it was wow. it was nuts. Um, yeah, it was the most intense one I've ever had to do. Um, and then other places uh it was much more pared down like you can tell everybody's looking mm. for their own little piece mm. of the puzzle to fill and maybe maybe the person before you was really great at this but maybe not so hot on this and they're looking for somebody to maybe fill that or like balance yeah. that equation a yeah. little bit um and again that's stuff you don't really know i i had one other point about the interview process and this is really prescient considering we're in the internet age exclusively now um, in terms of interviewing and that's like the interview doesn't start when you enter the zoom call or or walk into the office it starts with social yeah. media a lot these mm -hmm. days oh yeah so especially for our, our younger listeners um what you have in your social media presence is part of the interview you should just consider that anything that you have on social media is free reign to the yep. uh to the interview committee to see and <laughs> respond to i'm just gonna i'm just gonna leave that there because i think you're absolutely right you're absolutely right um it's funny uh what we say in relation to like auditions for um theater stuff is that it's just like you're uh, you're not auditioning when you walk in the room. You're not auditioning when you walk on the stage necessarily. You are always auditioning. And I mean, that's, that's a specific, that's mm. a specific one yep. in relation to theater and the fact that, you know, I'm a high school director and I also teach these kids in classes. So you observe that stuff too, but it's just like, yo, we're a community as well. So it's just like word if if word gets around, word gets around, and especially with what Matt's saying in relation to just the internet. I mean, the internet is like a it's like a black hole for all this stuff. It's like you have, you really do have to be aware as to how you present yourself um, and to what end it could actually uh, make or break somebody's opinion on you. 
You know, for my first job, I was uh, interviewing. Uh, it was my. Uh, it was right after uh, I graduated from college, like right where you are right now, Isabel. And granted, it was like in person. I was going into the school, but I was waiting in the office, and I was, you know, talking with the secretary, having a lovely conversation with her, and then I, I left and did my thing, and then. Weeks later, after I got the job and I was hanging out in the office again, getting my stuff ready, she's like, you know how I knew you were going to be the one to get the job? And I was like, what? How? And she said, you were the only one who talked to me, who came in and struck up a conversation with me and were, were, seemed genuine and happy to be there. She said, she said, she, I went and talked to the principal and I said, he's the one. So you never know, like talk about being on, like I wasn't even trying to be on there, but like, it's one of those things when you, when you become a teacher, one of my great, great teachers from college said, the two people you're nice to are your secretaries and your janitors. hundred percent. Yeah. Very true. Um, I can, that is, that is so interesting, Mikey, because I had the exact same experience um three different i've only had three different job interviews i think um successful ones anyway and all three of them i remember like making a a a connection with the people in the office um before i i even headed in and and um you know just they want to see that you're treating everyone like a human being because especially in a in a school situation especially you know what is their number one concern that you're going to keep the kids and the and the parents, you know, at the forefront of your mind and keep, keep the kids safe and communicate. And really that happens right from the get go in terms of how you write, how, how your written word expresses um, your intentions, you know, through the application process. And then right following up with that, once you have the, the in-person interview, it's all about how you communicate um, with that interview committee. And oftentimes there's parents and kids on the interview committee. Um, so I think, uh, you know, that's so interesting, Mike, that you had the same experience. Um, and I remember going to interview, um, I think it was in, in Rockland and just having like a whole really sweet conversation with the, with the principal's secretary. And then the next thing you know, um, you just never know who, you know, who you're talking to and what sort of sway they have and what, what they mean to your whole process. So it's always a good idea to just be kind and genuine with everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and <laughs> last thing I wanted to mention about interview process, which is totally optional. Um, something that I do, uh, I think it's a nice little note, uh, is that you, a day, two days later, depending on their timeline, if you ask about their timeline, um, which is totally a great thing to ask about when that you can expect a decision, um, send a note, just send a note, short, sweet. Yeah. Thank you so much for seeing me. It was really yep. nice to meet you all. That's it's, it goes a long way. Well, and it continues to show, it continues to show an investment on your part in them you're taking time after this thing happened you don't even know what's going to happen but you're taking personal time to acknowledge how grateful you were to even have the opportunity so yeah oh dude that's that's perfect and like uh you know <laughs> it's funny um not to detract in any way but uh, you know mikey you were talking about talking to the secretary and um matt you're talking about talking to the secretary as well <laughs> um when I got hired at Hanover, I was working at a school in Newton 
that ironically enough came down to Hanover to present their show at Drama Festival. And that's where I met Sheila Walsh, Dr. Sheila Walsh, who's the head of the humanities department at uh, Hanover High School right now. That's where I met uh, Meg McDuane, who uh, was the head coordinator of FACE. And um, <laughs> literally, I did not think in my mind in any way that I would like be ending up interviewing at this job or following through with anything like that. But then here comes the end of the year and then I'm not returning to Newton who reaches out, but Sheila with an email saying, Hey, we're looking for a drama director. We're, we weren't sure if you were going to stay in Newton or not, or if you'd be interested in coming down for an interview. And it's like, I, there was no intention, none. And it, 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 you know, looking back on it now, it's just like, I wouldn't change a single thing as to how I ended up where I am, but it's just the smallest world to think that, again, this idea that literally anybody you meet, any interaction that you have carries weight and not negatively, but consequence. It carries consequence and things come out of interactions that you have. Um, it's always good to just sort of present yourself in the best possible light. Yeah, I, I and I, I would also say that with the letter follow up, which is a great, um, which is a great point. Um, when you when you do that, oftentimes in these interviews, uh, there's a finalist list that's being generated, and you showing your interest a couple days later, um, you know, can can be the difference in getting that second interview or even, um, you know, uh, getting the you know getting the job because, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's that little, that's a little effort and that little spark that might push someone in your, in your corner. All right. Well, uh, some, some bad news this week about, um, the performing arts world. Uh, it was announced that Broadway will be shut down all summer uh, until the fall. Um, so definitely a bummer there. But in good news, um, it sounds like uh, the musical Hamilton is coming to Disney Plus on July 3rd. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm pretty psyched for that. I cannot Woo! wait. I am so pumped to see it. My <laughs> <laughs> like, third day before my birthday, I'm pumped. Uh-huh. Wait, is your birthday the 4th of July? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. What an interesting birthday. <laughs> what a patriotic human you Oh, are. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it was originally supposed to be a theatrical release, but um, they did one. They did they did a solid for us uh, us quarantining folk and um, really <laughs> released it on uh, on digital, so... Uh, that'll be great. I know my kids are really excited to see it. So, well, and it's uh, we had we had chit chatted about this a little earlier this week when that news dropped, um, and uh, the the timing of it, meaning um, uh, it, it was recorded. How long ago do we know? I'm not sure, but I know it's the original cast. I think. Right. Uh, I and I will put my my hand up and say that uh, I'm not extraordinarily familiar with Hamilton, and my standby response to why I'm not is that I didn't really have like somewhere between two hundred and four hundred dollars when <laughs> it was on Broadway. 
Um, <laughs> so I personally am thoroughly excited to do a deep dive on Hamilton. And, um, you know, it's it, it, especially speaking from a theater perspective, this is such a interesting, cool way to continue this idea of, you know, uh, going to see a Broadway show. Um, I mean, it's kind of like what the METG is trying to do with this virtual festival where it's just like, if you have recorded stuff, why not share it with people? And then that way everybody can sort of feel like they're going to the show type thing. Uh, to answer your question, Colin, I think it was recorded in 2015, which is, as we all know, a different era now. Yeah, that's a whole other ball of wax. Are you kidding? Like 2019 <laughs> seems like ancient history at this point. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was that? What was 2019? <laughs> I don't even... <laughs> um, uh, not to push the conversation in any particular way, but... Um, uh, I, I'm looking at our itinerary here and, uh, somebody wrote down COVID the musical. Okay. So let me explain. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about this for, uh, you know, for my songwriting class and, uh, you know, a lot of them are into musical theater, especially my fourth period class. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, well, if you were to write a musical about this time, which inevitably someone will do. Uh, what would be some of the themes or songs that we would hear? Um, and <laughs> you know, would it be like getting stuck quarantine with someone and then, you know, developing a relationship or like losing a relationship or would it be just literally people wishing they could go drive around in their car? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the amount of directions that you could go with this, is fantastic so you're absolutely right you could go with the quarantine vibe which is just like you're you're getting fed up with people that you live with or maybe you didn't really recognize how close you are with somebody that you live with until you ended up being quarantined so there you go you got some opportunity for some love songs and for like some some aggressive sort of like angry songs yeah i'm thinking like opening Um, to rent kind of like you know yes yeah exactly totally we're not gonna stay inside. We're not. <laughs> I mean, it writes itself. Am I wrong? You know? Yeah. No, no, you're not wrong at all. You're not wrong at all. And then you can go with like, um, you could like the, you could you could write like a ballad uh, about like you know latex gloves and like face masks. Oh, I was definitely oh, thinking uh-huh. something about masks. <laughs> You need it. You definitely need it. And I totally like think there should be like vignettes of like different like briefing number one, briefing number two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or just being like, uh, you could you could do like a like a side like uh uh you could do like updates throughout like you know twenty days into quarantine, still nobody going outside, and then like cut back to the action. Oh, that'd be. It. I would love oh, if and someone and, and, did like you know, a like a comedy where they only took like like go the Shrek route and use songs that already exist, like, um, and throw them in there. Like the, like police's, um, don't stand so close to me. Like stuff like that. Like, like take go. songs that already exist and like throw them in there. And I think that'd be, that would be a riot. <laughs> That's perfect. I was also thinking like an Avenue Q kind of thing where we do it all. With yeah. So Avenue Q, I feel like it's perfect for that. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like the best way to try to deliver well and, and let's be honest, it's just like it's a it's a sad thing we're dealing with. It's it's not overly 
positive at the moment, all that sort of stuff. It's like, how do we solve that? Puppets. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, and, and it is, I mean, if you think about the musicals that have been written, there's a lot of tragedy, you know, it's, it's part of like the dramatic ethos. Right. And I think at some point, people are going to need to create art to relive and understand (laughs) this time that we're going through. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like what we were talking about last week with the, or I, I, I'm, I'm getting my weeks messed up. It could have been like two podcasts ago. I don't know. What is time? What is time? matter? Yeah. Yeah. I digress. Oh, by the way, that's a, that's a whole number within itself that time doesn't exist. Like that's a whole musical. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, But what I was going to say is Matt, I know that you've talked about this before and we've all talked about this, that the necessity and hopeful crossing, uh, you know, crossing my fingers here, hopeful, like artistic Renaissance that can come out of this. You know what I mean? Utilizing the idea that we're all trapped inside and that we're all dealing with something that's like unprecedented and it's really sort of heavy and intense. You know, maybe there is music, uh, and you know, maybe there is music that directly comes out of this that really uh, is a snapshot of the time period. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, and, and there's so many like, I mean, we already said this, but it is a tragedy and you know, and and I hope no one who hears us thinks that we're making light of this in any way. But I think, um, you know, the idea of, and this is an image that I, I kind of keeps popping into my mind is, you know, these these folks who get sick, especially the elderly, and then their family can't be with them when they're going through this because of the, you know, the high transmission rate. It's um you know, it, it's really sad and and it's, and it's awful. And, um, you know, the only way I could think of to, to process that, you know, in my own weird way was, you know, to, to make art out of it. I don't know. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. And just to tie it back to what you said around, uh, what you said earlier is the same thought process that comes out of rent, which is arguably structured entirely around you know, sort of the AIDS epidemic of the nineties. Yeah, yeah. And, and so all of a sudden it carries so much weight and so much emotional impact on so many people. And I, <laughs> I've, I've said this to you guys before. I really believe in it at this point. It's that like, sometimes when you're really up against it, it, it the only thing that you can do is laugh or you'll cry. And it's just, you know, it, it, I think that, that, that to me is actually what I find most, endearing about a really truly well-written comedy is that it tells it like it is and it's funny and it's sad but it's real um i don't know i might be sort of spinning my wheels at this point but um on that note (laughs) uh (laughs) i I actually um you know i i think that there's there's uh, a lot of um potential there for for further discussion um down the road when we're, we have a little bit more distance from it but um oh yeah definitely. absolutely and and uh just to sort of follow up what you were saying matt it's like you know obviously obviously none of us uh, none of us wish any ill upon anybody at the same time it's just like yeah from a creative standpoint 
at least for me personally, there are a lot of times where I'll look at certain things from every possible angle, even if it's not, um, even if it's not the most immediate angle, I guess. <laughs> Shall we uh, move into quarantine and chill? Let's, 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 let's. All right. Um, all right. Let's see here. What am I talking about? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, as we've already discussed, um, Matt uh, and I sort of brought it up earlier at the beginning. We've been doing interviews, direct interviews with students for, uh, for band. It was for uh, SLT positions and for drum major positions and uh, for the drama club, it's the elected board, which is essentially a group of uh, students that uh, assume leadership and uh, responsibility positions. And uh, I got to say, you know, and maybe it directly ties into the fact that we're all sort of stuck at home and social distancing and all that sort of thing. Um, For as, for as much as they can be, uh, difficult with the whole zoom aspect of things and doing things virtually it's been thoroughly amazing to consistently be reminded how many people are thoroughly passionate about their art and are passionate about making some sort of impact in relation to their art that they do meaning being in high school and being a part of a drama club um i just wanted to take a second to really just (laughs) It's inspiring, and if you're if you're hearing this, and you are one of those folks that I had an interview with this week, I'm talking about you. Uh, I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about how proud and inspired I am as an educator and um, as a fellow artist to just hear how invested all of you guys still are, and the great ideas that you come up with, and the visions that you have for where this department can be, and more importantly, the praises for where we are at the moment. Um, It's really inspiring, and it's really truly an amazing thing to be a part of. So I just wanted to take a sort of take sort of a moment to chit chat about that. Um, Okay, last week, (laughs) I talked about how I had been going on uh, a binge of watching Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, all those movies. Oh man! <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, and last night I I finished out. Which, by the way, there's five guys. There's five Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Did we know this? Did anybody know this? I knew this. I, the first I, three. I, yeah, I stopped counting after three. <laughs> I, I made a joke today where I was just like, what is this? Fast and the Furious? Like, <laughs> I, I was unaware that we had these many pirate. Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Long story short, I watched the newest one last night, um, Dead Men Tell No Tales, which has the unbelievably talented Javier Bardem in it. But at the same time, oh boy, were there lots of instances where I laughed out loud and they weren't intentionally trying to make me laugh out loud. Some of the, some of the writing was some of the writing was really questionable. The music is still awesome. Obviously, that was a big thing I brought up last time. But um, and actually, Matt and Mike and I sort of talked about this a little bit earlier today, where it's just like you know, you have Javier Bardem and Johnny Depp. You're telling me that they don't have other projects that they could have worked on or anyways. <laughs> I just I wanted to sort of put that out there really quickly. If you have any ideas or if you have any opinions about Pirates of the Caribbean, reach out. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um I am also uh in the process of moving. 
Um, I currently live in Quincy, Massachusetts. I've lived here for the past year. I love this apartment. At the same time, it is time for a change, and I'm actually moving into the city, into Boston, with a uh, actually a really good friend of mine from high school. Uh, so it just goes to show, and I know I've brought this up on here before, that it's like the people who really matter to you in your life and that you want to keep around, just keep them around, you know? And um, so I'm very excited to move in with my buddy. At the same time, it's like there's a lot of work that needs to be put into the room I'm moving into. Uh, so I'm looking at it. I'm trying, I'm remaining positive. I'm looking at it as a nice little project to work on. So for example, I learned how to, um, how to put up some plaster and uh, how to spackle and cover holes in walls. Uh, all things that are really great tricks of the trade to have um either way i'll keep y'all posted on my moving stuff either way uh i'm i'm very excited to sort of see where that's going to go and the the last thing i wanted to talk about and we kind of talked about this last week was creating music with friends um my roommate and i had been working on uh an ep a three song ep for like I think we did the math the other day. It's like four months, four or five months, and we finished up on it this week. And um, just to sort of tie it back around to what we were talking about last time, it's like there is no better feeling than being able to reconnect yourself with something that you are very passionate about, whether it be writing music, acting, singing, playing instruments, uh, drawing, writing. You know, if you have any opportunities to reconnect yourself to something that you really enjoy doing, now's the time. Um, I will say from a personal perspective, it's been a fantastically productive use of my time that I can now listen to, listen back to. And it's funny, we sort of talked about this earlier. I'm kind of looking at the whole EP as a bit of a snapshot of this whole quarantine and the time that we have right now. And I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see how this little EP ages in relation to what happens with all of this and where we end up going. So keep on creating my friends, however you can do it. Uh, yes, please. It's, it's very important. <laughs> um, I was talking to my mom on Sunday and for mother's day, obviously I was, and we were just chit chatting about life and started talking about shows that we were watching. And she said, well, me and your dad just finished this amazing show called Lock and Key. And I've seen it on Netflix when I've been scrolling through. I'm like, oh, that looks kind of interesting. And my mom's like, oh, we loved it so much. You should definitely check it out. And that should have been my first warning right there. That should have, <laughs> should have, should have known. Mom, if you're listening to this, I love you so much. <laughs> I love you. Thank you for everything you've done for me. But this is where I diverge. I pass diverge. Um, here's the thing. I was a child raised on like fantasy novels galore. I loved reading anything fantasy related. Like still do to, to this day. Like I don't read nearly as much as I used to in that brain. But like all the Harry Potters, you know, um, Narnia, like anything in that vein, uh, Game of Thrones, um, Wheel of Time, uh, A Wrinkle in Time, like all those, I, I just love them. And so I, this whole show, like the whole premise is like, okay, these kids and their mom, like three kids and a mom, 
They're moving to a house, moving from Seattle to Matheson, Massachusetts, which is not a real place. And I was just going to say, I was like, I don't think that exists. That's like how the, the movie they were filming, oh my God, that was last summer, um, took place in, quote, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure it did. Yeah. you know, And you know how I knew because I live on the South Shore now is because that it was it's way too beautiful <laughs> the way the, 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 like the south shore is beautiful like but this place where they moved hey. to is gorgeous it's so pretty and i looked it up it's like nova scotia and i was like oh, you can't of do that yeah, like, of you're giving people the wrong idea about what massachusetts <laughs> is <laughs> but that 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 I love Massachusetts, by the way. I'm not I'm not nothing against Massachusetts. I think it's beautiful here, and I love living here. But, Shout out to Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, these kids move here to this house with their mom, and the whole premise is that they have these keys. They're hold on. By the way, their their last name is Locke, and they have oh. these magical keys, <laughs> and the keys all do different things. They all have like these magic keys, like one key, like can like create combustion and like fire, like out of nothing. And then another key you can like stick into the back of someone's head and open it up. And then you can go inside. The what? Like cool, like super, like I'm all about this stuff. Like again, fantasy stuff. Yes. I'm all about it. I'm here for it. It's great. Love the idea. Love the concept. And that part of the show, I really enjoyed. However, <laughs> I cannot i cannot deal with people in the show acting in ways that they would not act in a normal situation like when it's case in point i'm not giving too much away here but there's a part where the three kids and their mom are being held hostage with a gun okay and so the guy that's holding them hostage with the gun Oh, by the way, it's not, you learned this in the first episode, so I'm just going to tell you right now, not a spoiler. It's the same guy that killed their father, and the reason why they had to move out in the first place to Matheson, Massachusetts, was because this kid killed their dad. So this kid has showed up in their house again, and he's got a gun, and he's you know like crazy, blah, 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 blah. And then it doesn't happen not one, but two, but three times where he this 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 offender is taken down loses the gun we see a shot of the gun going flying somewhere off into the room and yet nobody grabs the gun no no what? one no one ever thinks and it happens three times in a row like at, after the first time you're like oh my god get the gun get the gun get the gun and it doesn't happen <laughs> And it's like, okay, all right, they really missed that opportunity, but like, well, hopefully they'll make it through this, okay. The second time it happens, it's like, wait, no, get the gun. Wait, what? 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 Are, you, are you okay? Like, are, do you not understand the situation you're in? Like, it needs to be said, like, it, there, that is just one scenario of many where it's just people acting out with abandon and not nearly acting in the way they would act in normal life for no reason whatsoever, just because the writing was poor or for whatever reason. So I have mixed feelings about it. If you love fantasy things, I mean, I still enjoyed it enough to like, I would, I would say you could probably enjoy that part of it, but the acting is just so sad. Um, <laughs> it's this just it's, and that was my like mixed bag for this week. Sorry for taking you on that journey with me. No way. Uh, no, no need to apologize. That was an epic rant. <laughs> 
it's like because it's like I'm I'm I really I totally feel you and I brought this up in the music wing the other day in relation to like Orlando Bloom in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I was just like, yo, he's not a good actor. And everybody was just like, yeah, he's not good. <laughs> and, and and there are so many times where you think to yourself, you're just like, why are you reacting that way? And none of that makes sense. It's not natural. <laughs> I, 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 it pulls you out of everything for like two blows seconds. It blows my mind. Um, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, done. I'm done. I'm done. I gotta be done. Okay. So, but honestly, uh, now that I think about it, my roommate, um, one of my roommates recommended this to me like a week ago. And then uh, I actually, I, I asked him about it like uh, last week or something. And he was like, oh, I hate it now. He was like, he was like, I liked it for like a few days, but like, no, I can't deal with it anymore. So you're not alone. Oh wait, that, with that same show? Yeah, no, lock That's and key. Yeah, so hilarious. <laughs> so you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Oh, I know I'm not wrong. <laughs> um, so this week, something that I thought was really interesting is, um, I've noticed a lot. Some of my friends have been sending letters back and forth and one of my friends um i think she's sending me like a graduation letter or something but she messaged me and said hey can i get your address i want to send you something and i was like oh that's super sweet and that kind of turned a turned a gear in my head and i was like you know i won't probably won't be able to see any of these friends for a while why don't i start i'll like send start sending people like a little card, like one of my friends graduated. I sent her a card. It was a squirrel. I made it look like her. I put like hair on it and stuff. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That is so adorable. I love that. Um, Even like I sent like a card. I had a bunch of like thank you cards and stuff. And like I sent one to to my boyfriend. I sent a few to like some of my best friends. And then they received it. Now I keep getting messages. Oh, this is so sweet. And now a few of my other friends have been collecting people's addresses. And I think that's hopefully a thing that will start happening again. Um, shout out to the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, whoop, hopefully, whoop. you know, yeah. this is a little bit of... Going strong for yeah, now. Yeah, with like, especially with Amazon packages and stuff. Um, and all the, everything having to be sent by mail because no one can go anywhere. Um, but I just, I thought it was cute because we can, you know, I could text all these friends. But there's something about getting a letter in the mail that's like hand signed for you. Maybe someone drew something on the envelope that's just like more personal and it just shows that they took time to write something out to you to get a stamp on it like they put time into it um and i think i might start doing that with more of my my other friends too is sending out letters and being like hey i hope you're doing well um just know that i'm thinking about you and stuff like that just for more of a of a of a connection i love that i love that (laughs) idea um I also am going into the realm of sewing, which is a very scary realm um, as someone who <laughs> hasn't really ever sewn before. But I have all of these uh, shirts from UMass, like T-shirts I've collected over the years that say like marching band or like my old uh, Matt will know what this is. My PNC. Um, it's the shirt you wear underneath oh, your yeah. uniform. Um, I have one that's not horribly gross that I've <laughs> not also um, like a different color and still white um that i've i've saved and i also have all of my my t-shirts from when i was um 
a sister in SAI. Um, now I'm an alumni. So I've taken all of these UMass, all this UMass apparel, and I've I've started by folding up the shirts so you can just see what's on them. And then I've I tape them together and I've been putting them out on the floor to try to measure how many of them I want, how long I I'm considering for the blanket. Um, which is what I'm going to, I'm going to turn it all into a blanket, which is good because I have enough like t-shirts as it is. And it's a way that I can still use all of this stuff. Cause a lot of people will, um, either give away their letters once they graduate, but I felt like a lot of mine had like a sentimental value to them. So this way I can still have all my stuff, all my UMass stuff, but it's not cluttering my closet and it's something that's like meaningful. Uh, but I don't know how to sew it all. Um, except if like something like my pants ripped or something, I can fix it. But my mom is like the queen of the sewing machine. So she's going to help me. She's like, oh, we could put a border. Oh, we could stuff it with this, this, that. I'm like, sure, <laughs> whatever, whatever works. So that's been my project I've started. Um, and I thought this was really funny. I wanted to talk about this on Facebook. I'm a part of like music teachers uh, Facebook group and like music teachers online teaching Facebook groups and some music teachers have been making like virtual music classrooms through Google which is which so their students can interact or they get other stuff but they've also been creating them in like Animal Crossing which I just think is hysterical they like <laughs> put down the path for like the hardwood floor and they've like had chalkboards and stuff and they have like instruments because they have instruments you can buy, like a marimba, um, like a gong. But what is so funny to me is that all of these instruments, it's not like you can control any of it. So it's like your character would walk up to the marimba and it would only be like one sound. So people would go up and I've seen videos where people like spam the button. So they'd go up to the marimba and be like, ding, 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 like <laughs> as fast as possible. And it's just like, there's no... It's just funny to me because it's like there's no learning that would be occurring <laughs> if people were going to these, <laughs> like if teachers have these Animal Crossing music classrooms, like the kids aren't going to be learning anything. They'd be running around and like ding, ding, ding on like the gong or any. And I just thought I was like, this is just for show. I was like, there's no learning happening. <laughs> but I saw that no some way. teachers were like sharing their code so that students like they had an island specifically so that students could go. And I, and I understand like the Google ones, but the Animal Crossing, I just thought that was so funny because there's just no, it's just to, the kids would just like goof around. I could, there's like nothing, nothing you can learn. <laughs> no. That's just oh, so that, funny to me. Insane. And I kind of, I've done that now on my island. I had like a little section. I was like, ooh, I'm going to make a little music classroom. It's not like anyone would come, but <laughs> still it's like, I just thought that was so funny. Oh, people are creative. <laughs> Well, it's funny. It, it is really, it's hilarious. But at the same time, it's like, um, uh, like I've, I, I heard about a school that was doing their musical through like Minecraft, <laughs> like somehow they managed to have everybody who was in the cast create like their character as a Minecraft character. And then the actual director like created the set like recreated the set like you know and and essentially they redid all the blocking and they like performed their musical through Minecraft. that's insane that's crazy like how do you even <laughs> do that i think everybody's just so desperate to do something <laughs> that you know yeah yeah absolutely 
Um, so for uh, for my quarantine and chill this week, I've been revisiting the series The Sopranos on HBO, and I know Colin yeah. Colin has as well. Um, yeah, buddy. I'm I'm curious, and I'm just going to throw this out there, maybe for a discussion point, but and I know I have my own thoughts. But is Tony Soprano a sympathetic character? Who can I can I give my opinion on? Please, this? please. <laughs> okay, Tony Soprano. Um, is he a sympathetic character? Yeah, I would say yeah. I mean, I would say circumstantially in relation to who his character is in the grand scheme of things, it's extraordinarily easy, and I think the inclination would be to lop him in as a giant mobster who's killing people and doing bad stuff and all that sort of thing. And yes, he is doing that. <laughs> so it's yeah, just yeah. like, there is no, cond- there is no condoning of the things that he is doing, but I, and it's funny. We were talking about this before the podcast started. Like I'm, I'm at like season six at the moment. And I know Matt is at like season two. You said, yeah, right? yeah. All I can say, and it's not giving anything away, is that the investigation on the psyche and um, how do I want to put it? Yeah, I guess we can just say the psyche, the investigation on the psyche of Tony Soprano goes so in depth over the rest of the series that I would say not 100% of the time, but you got to feel for the guy. A little bit, yeah. a little bit. You know, I mean, it's always been a little bit of cognitive dissonance for me because, you know, there's the mobster and all the terrible things that he is either directly committing or is adjacent to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, the guy has anxiety attacks because he doesn't want his kids to be down the same path, right? Exactly. You yeah. Know? I mean, and and to me that does make him somewhat sympathetic like not in the way that like oh well he's a pretty good guy even though he murders people but yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know you can you can kind of understand um he's a very complex person and like the fact that he he goes to therapy right like here's this mobster yeah. going to therapy um and and that's a that's a whole complex relationship too uh, <laughs> full of a lot of things that we probably shouldn't discuss on the air Oh, oh, and I, I think it's funny. I think I even said it when we were talking about Sopranos last week. Is I was just like, I don't condone any of this, and uh, right. you know, it's parent parental discretion advised. Yeah. But, but I completely agree with you in the sense that um, there's such an investigation that goes on there, and there are there are nowhere close to as many times that he's like the hardcore mob boss that you see, but there are some really interesting and in my opinion, really um, uh, showing moments, whether they be flashbacks for him or uh, for, for Tony, he has a lot of like dream state, like sort of like almost like uh, uh, having like visions um, and that really sort of orchestrates how he truly feels about situations that he's involved in. And, um, uh, it's so telling. It really is so telling. You can see the human being that exists within the the monster. Right. If you want to put it that way. And and you know, there's like I think the age old question is like, are you shaped by events or are you shaping them? And and you know, his relationship with his mother and his uncle Junior, and then oh my god, you yeah, know, the the um his relationship with his wife, and at the same time, you know, 
being around i mean his best friend uh who ends up betraying him you know i mean it's it's some great characters i mean and i think they all are sympathetic in some way yeah oh absolutely well and you know we were talking about this before the podcast as well the uh, his wife carmela what uh, played by edie falco who does a phenomenal job obviously but the amount of the amount of character sort of development and investigation that goes on there. I'm not going to give anything away in relation to her and Tony's relationship, but obviously it's pulled to absolute extremes and to see how she handles the relationship with her husband, how she handles being a mother to her kids, how she even handles sometimes being like the queen mob boss. Like sometimes she gives into it. And that to me has always been really, really fascinating is that it's just like, you're absolutely right. You know, are you servicing the moment or are you servicing the events that are happening or are the events happening around you servicing you? Yeah. And the, uh, yeah. this, and then my, my last one for this week was just revisiting, uh, last week's discussion of star Wars since it was like all the star Wars holidays. Um, and I did go back and watch rise of Skywalker and, Ooh, what are your what's your thoughts? I really liked it the second time around. Um, okay, cool. Tell me why. Yes, wow. Um, uh, you know, I know I know that people who are really into the canon and and you know have delved very deeply into the spinoff series and the animated series and everything have a lot of issues, and I and I get that. I don't like the way Kylo Ren's character arc ended. Um, That would probably be my biggest beef with it. But there are certain things that I thought were just really, really cool. Um, And there's a lot, there's a lot of plot holes and there's a lot of things that just, you know, don't work from an intellectual standpoint, but but from a, (laughs) from a spectacle standpoint, like Ray discovering her, incredible power and then kind of learning how to channel that was really cool um you know the i feel like more could have been done with the relationship between ray and um finn which kind of left me wanting more but yes i felt the same relation that should have been (laughs) explored way more but i mean as a as a whole um, you know, when we look at the sequels as a, as a, as a unit, um, you know, <laughs> not to get too Joseph Campbell in here, but like it, it definitely did kind of close the hero journey of, of the Skywalker series. And there's like this return to normalcy kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I, I, from the, the pure spectacle of it and the escapism of it, I really liked it. I, I enjoyed going Matt- back. Matt, you you know how I feel about Joey Cams and and the hero with a thousand faces. I'm so glad that you brought that up because uh, again, um, I you know I I person I just need to rewatch it, and I'm sure you're right. I'm sure I'll thoroughly enjoy it because then my thought is right now that like if I watch it now, there isn't as much pressure as there was on it yeah, when yeah. I watched it on opening night. Um, but you're absolutely right. As I'm going to take a closer look at that, just uh, obviously the correlations between Hero with a Thousand Faces and Star Wars are numerous. And so I think you're, I think you're on a really good point, though, in the sense that um, everything, it was pretty neat how it tied up. I will say that. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, and having watched them all in se- in sequence now. Um, by the way, that's what I was going to ask actually about the trilogy. Does it feel cohesive seeing it as like that? Not as yeah, not as much question. as the original. I feel yeah. like the original trilogy did the best job of you know bookending things, and. You know, right. the prequels, be, by the nature of being a prequel and trying to connect, didn't have the same sort of closure. Although the last scene of that where they bring back all, this is my music uh, geek coming out, but where they bring back all of like Luke and Leia's theme as they're born, like, and they're being. Yes, oh, yes. That moment. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts of any of the films, like right there where like Luke's getting dropped off at Tatooine and then we hear the Skywalker theme kind of weaved in. I mean, it, John Williams is just, you know. Oh, he's. He's a legend. He's, yeah, Scott, it, it, jo, if if by the grace if you of God, podcast on, you're, you're really yeah, stop on by. by the, yeah, if by the grace of God, John Williams is listening to this podcast, John, please come on. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I just you know, I I think, and again, really musically, um, it. it kind of in the last film, there was a lot of weaving in and out of the Palpatine theme and the Ray theme and how they were kind of similar, but you didn't pick up on it until the end. And Oh, wow. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about it's that. It's like, it's basically an ascending minor third and then it's ascending my da, 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 right. And um, Ray's theme is like, and you know, like I didn't put it together until the end, but yeah, Ray's a Palpatine. And then, you know, it makes sense that they would have a similar light motif. I don't know. It, it, ah. <laughs> probably no one else thought of that, but I, I I went there. Well, but I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did because I I, I definitely miss that. And these are uh, I'm telling you, these are things I'm gonna think about really next time I watch it. And let, I'm crossing my fingers, man. I'm hoping to love it. And in the Kylo yeah. Ren theme, uh, morphing towards the end of the. Um, you know, towards the end of the film where it becomes uh, more major and complex, like it's almost modal. So it, it's not straight minor anymore. So you can hear like the good side of him, like triumphing, you know, triumphant through the music. I don't know. Absolutely. Well, and I, I always love when you sort of get correlations like that through character uh, perspective and sort of a uh, uh, character changes and then you can sort of hear it also within the music. That's too cool. All right. What are you guys listening to this week? What are, what are your favorite artists? Well, I'm so glad you asked because I have been listening as of yesterday. <laughs> I was introduced to this band for the first time and I'm totally obsessed with them. Uh, one of my friends is doing a like playlist that like through the exile of quarantine, like finding new music and then putting on a playlist. And I haven't gone through and listened to his full playlist yet, but the one he posted yesterday really caught my eye because the album cover for it was so striking to me. It's like a, it's a, oh, I have it written down here. So, you know, like Rafiki from the Lion King. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, like the the species, like that type of baboon is called a mandrill. I did not know that they had a specific name. So it is a cover with a mandrill face on it, but it's like, 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 ah, like looking really like intense and like, it's going to fight. And then it's got like two hands up and it's like hands are on fire. And so it was like very striking off the bit go. I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll listen to this. And it's um the, the band is called hiatus coyote. 
Oh, uh, snap. Yeah. And they are, they're, they're like kind of their label. I was like looking them up on their Wikipedia page and their like genre that they're like under is like soul, future soul is what it's called. I was like, well, yeah. what is soul? It's like, like combinations of like soul and R&B, which I love that. And then like additionally elements of pop and jazz and um, electronics. And so it's a lot of really cool effects being in, there's a lot of cool synth stuff happening and a lot of sound clips in their music that are taken like very much electronically, like sounds like almost like video game, like clips, which I love. I love when musicians incorporate video game like sounds in their music. Um, and it's it, the, the album that I was listening to is called Choose Your Weapon. And there's a couple of cool songs which you should check out, uh, Breathing Underwater. Oh, by the way, they were also nominated for a Grammy Award back in like 20. 14 2015 i was i was i was just gonna say that and and i don't mean to interrupt but um, a a buddy of mine in college was obsessed with hiatus coyote yeah i'm just so sad that i hadn't heard them until now and i'm just like oh my god they're they're awesome so check out breathing underwater uh swamp thing and atari all cool cool tracks uh really cool beats going on lots of fun layers i i cannot recommend them highly enough and i can't wait to dig into more of their albums um and then somebody else that popped on as i was doing the dishes yesterday uh, who I hadn't heard in a while but justin knows her really well and i've only heard a couple of her songs is uh leon lahavis who is a singer uk singer songwriter um kind of like soul indie and she's from she's actually my age she's 30 and she has an album called Blood. And the single I heard was Ghost. And it's just really nice. She has a really beautiful timbre voice, uh, just very soothing to listen to. And she's got some cool harmony going on. So that's what I was listening to yesterday. And I'm going to be listening to for the rest of this week. So check it out. That's so crazy. Uh, I love... Uh... I love rediscovering or not even like I haven't heard that name, the name of that band in so long. And it just like brings back such a flood of memories and like more importantly, like, yeah, definitely check them out for sure. Um, So uh, this week in relation to what I'm listening to, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a spotlight on a band that I have been in love with from the first time I heard them. The band is called Wolfpeck. Uh, quick little backstory, and I, I'm, I may get this wrong, so fact check me if need be, or if you're listening to this and you're like, that's not right, and, you know, Colin Fahey, get this right, you know, write in and let us know. <laughs> but uh, so Wolfpack is a group of about, I think it's a, it's a bit varying, but it's like about five to six members, main members that started at uh, the Wolf Recording Studio at, uh, I believe it was at Michigan State. They all met in college together and uh, played music together. And the music, the way that I describe it is like uh, it's, it's soul mixed with funk mixed with like, uh, like it feels very like kind of, oh, I don't know. It's so hard to describe. It's so funky. Yeah, it's, it's almost improvisatory in a way, like kind of yes! in the jazzy way. Um, yeah. I've only seen a couple of their videos on YouTube, but they're super cool. Definitely would check them out. Oh my God. They're, and that's the other thing too, is they're so incredibly talented. Like if you go on to, uh, I've been doing deep dives on their YouTube recently. If you go onto their YouTube and you just follow their discography and all the videos and stuff, what you'll notice is that outside of, I think, one of the members, 
everybody plays every single instrument and every single song has a different lineup of who's playing what. So some guy who's singing lead one week will then play drums next week on a song. And it's just, it really shows their versatility. It's absolutely phenomenal music. If I had to give some recommendations uh, for songs, 1612, go listen to it right now. Literally pause the uh, the podcast, go look up 1612 by Wolfpack. You will, you will thank me. You really will thank me. That and also Back Pocket is another really, really great song by Wolfpack that I just, uh, I really do love. And what's available on YouTube is their full Madison Square Garden show, which they uh, sold out Madison Square Garden for like a full week of shows or something, which is just unheard of. And um, there's a full, the full recording is available on there. And they just, they're so much fun on stage too. They have a ton of uh, audience interaction and fun things that they do. I highly recommend it if anybody's looking for some new stuff. Um And then a few other bands, I guess I'll start by acknowledging the uh, recording label. Uh, The recording label, uh, the Daptones recording label, which is essentially like a new age sort of soul R&B recording label, uh, has uh, there uh, two bands that really sort of have uh, caught my interest. Uh, I started listening to both of them when I was in college, but have really sort of come back around for me now. Uh, That would be the Budos Band and Menahan Street Band, two very, uh, very interesting groups. I'd say Budos Band is a bit more gritty. It's a bit more uh, distorted, but at the same time, it's all based through uh, instrumental music. So no vocals, but just uh, uh, lots of horns, really interesting guitar stuff, bongo things, uh, other percussion stuff as well. Menahan Street Band, same thing. A lot cleaner, though, and a lot more put together, but at the same time, uh, entirely driven by their horn section and by instrumental uh, stuff rather than singing. Um, so that's Budo's Band, Menahan Street Band. If you're looking for good albums, uh, Budo's Band came out with an album last year that's just titled V or Five, if you want to look at it that way. Um, and then Menahan Street Band came out with an album a long time ago called The Crossing. That's still one of my favorite albums. And then uh, they recently came out with a single called Queen's Highway, which is a really, really cool sort of laid back tune. And the last thing I'll talk about is um, uh, Menahan Street Band, more than Budos Band, worked directly with Charles Bradley, who actually was a vocalist, a soul vocalist, very much uh, compared with the likes of James Brown or uh, Little Richard, R.I.P. Little Richard. Um, I know that Matt's going to talk about that in a second, too. Um, But uh, Charles Bradley, who unfortunately passed away a little while ago, has a phenomenal story of living up and growing uh, growing up on the streets and not really knowing his parents very well and struggling almost his whole entire life. And he's a singer. Uh, and these guys who, uh, run Daptone records came and found Charles Bradley, got him off the street, got him healthy and got him to start recording. And he, uh, managed to record a whole album, a whole solo album, which they backed, which, um, he has one of the most beautifully sorrowful voices you'll ever hear. Um, so I would recommend any of those things. Wolfpack, Budos Band, Manahan Street Band, or Charles Bradley with any of those two bands backing him. Really, really phenomenal stuff to keep up the good vibes for this week. Yeah, uh, 
Those are, those sound really interesting. Um, both of you, I, I look forward to checking those out. I have a few for you. Um, the first is, uh, an Irish singer songwriter named Damien Rice, um, who, uh, has a bunch of albums out, but a couple of songs in particular that I think are, are really great and kind of laid back and, and mellow, but also very soulful. Um, the blower's daughter, delicate, uh, nine crimes, also a good song. So ch- definitely check that out. Um, Going back to, again, some music that I've been listening to since high school, um, Pearl Jam's album 10, which there is no bad song on this album. They are all, <laughs> they're all hits. They're all wonderful. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, back when albums were actually a complete musical utterance and not just trying to get the next downloaded single. Preach, preach. Um, but uh, off that album, uh, I, would, I would have you check out Once Alive. Black and Jeremy, probably the four songs that got Pearl Jam started. Um, uh, we mentioned Little Richard already, but uh, you should go listen to some of his stuff. Uh, he passed away this week, obviously. Um, but Good Golly Miss Molly, Tutti Fruity, Lucille, all just archetypal rock and roll songs that influenced the entire um, history of rock and roll. So definitely check those out. Um, All the hits. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and what a great performer too. Oh, unbelievable. If you really want to get the full perspective on little Richard, he actually, it's, it's so funny. I don't mean to detract. There's a video of little Richard and um, Tom Jones doing a medley of their songs back and forth and they like do like a vocal battle at the end like holy crap yeah <laughs> it's a real deal it's it, yeah it's unreal um and then finally this is a little bit different for me can i try to pick something that's a little bit uh off brand maybe um but uh allison kraus and union station um there is a bluegrass band um loosely described as country but it's definitely more bluegrass and talk about a tight ensemble these guys can play and um oh they're unbelievable i've heard them they're awesome um i actually uh got to hear a uh an amazing uh fiddle and um fiddle and cello duo this week uh live on a zoom call i was on with some fellow music educators and it kind of got me thinking about that so um her live album, um, literally called Live, came out in 2003. Um, and a lot of the music was featured in the movie Oh Brother, We're Out Thou. So if that's the kind of vibe you like. Um, oh, my God. Uh, Down to the River to Pray. Um, I Am a Man of Constant Sorrow. Those are all um, you know, off of that uh, album. So highly recommend it. This week... Um, I've been thinking a little bit back to my whole career um, in playing the flute in college specifically, went back when I had time to practice. Well, I guess not really, but <laughs> I, it was more of a, a focus in my routine. And so I, I was going back and listening to some of my recordings from my recital. And the first piece that I did on my recital, um, all flute players, this is a super important name. Um, it's called Orange Dawn by Ian Clark. Anything Ian Clark makes is like so beautiful. He does a lot of flute pieces that involve um, like wacky fingerings, um, extended techniques. He did a piece for flute ensemble called Hatching Aliens. That's a wild ride. Um, I've never played it, but it sounds really cool. But um, Orange Dawn is a piece 
I think it's about like sunrise and stuff, which worked out because I had this like red, my recital dress was red and it was the opener um, for my junior recital that I did with my friend Alex, who also plays flute. Um, so anything, flute players, anything by Ian Clark, especially if you want to go into music performance, music education, or you just want to listen to some flute, his pieces are so, so beautiful. He did one about like whale speaking. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but so beautiful and so unique compared to a lot of flute music. This next one is also a flute piece. It's just a bop. Like anyone can like bop to this. It's called <laughs> Feathers and Wax. Um, it's so catchy and so dope. And my, I, this is a piece that my professor actually has recorded. And the woman who wrote it, Amanda Harburg, plays the, I think she plays the piano on the recording. I'm not sure. But she's like an amazing um, female composer. And she's, we got to meet her. She came to UMass. She's really cool. And she's young too. Um, super awesome. Um, and that piece, it's just like very catchy, um, very funky. And it's really fast. And um, I, it very much also captures his essence as a performer. Because um, he's a very spunky person. And it's just like super, super fun. I never played it on my recital. I had friends who did it. But it's just like so fun to listen to. Um, and then also in the spirit of graduation, um, I've been listening to Finale by AJR. It's the last piece in their um, piece. <laughs> it's the last song in their album Neo Theater that came out last year, maybe the year before. Um, but they're, they're a group where they all of their albums, there's kind of a running theme that goes through each album uh, and talking about like, I guess they're, struggles because they're i think all three of them um either are close to college age or dropped out of college to pursue music and they don't have their own label they produce everything on their own um and finale's got this line in it where it's like we can't wait to see what you do next which i really like and i and i think has a very much like a graduation feel to it um yeah those that's what i've been listening to that's awesome all right. Well, why don't we um, end off the, the episode as we normally do with some quotes. So Colin, why don't you start us? All righty. Um, well, we've talked uh, uh, some of you may be saying to yourself, they really talked a lot about the Sopranos this week. We're not over yet. Um, <laughs> so this, uh, I sort of was at a loss for some quotes this week, but I actually found a couple from Soprano characters and not to uh, disregard the writing on The Sopranos, it really is absolutely phenomenal. But some uh, quotes here from them. Uh, you know what? I'm going to try to read these as best as the characters because I've been doing uh, th this is so embarrassing. I've been like trying to do impressions of all the Soprano characters like at once. So like I'll switch from like one character to the next. So they're like having conversations with each other. <laughs> It, things are getting crazy here, here, guys. All right. So these are the two quotes that I got. I do actually like them, though. Um, and this one is from uh, Tony's wife, Carmela Soprano, played by Edie Falco. Um, More is lost by indecision than by wrong decision. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, go with me. Go with me here, guys. <laughs> um, and then. This next one is from Junior Soprano, who is uh, Tony's uncle, and he's a bit older. So, <clears throat> you steer the ship the best way you know. 
Sometimes it's smooth. Sometimes you hit the rocks. In the meantime, you find pleasures where you can. And that's it. It's an excellent, <laughs> love these voices. Excellent Colin. quarantine quote. <laughs> I swear to God, I, I really hope that I, I, I need better quotes for next week. <laughs> it's all good. Um, mine from this week comes from Gary Zukov uh, in a book called The Seat of the Soul. And it's a little deep, but bear with me. The soul of the human species is sometimes called the collective unconscious, but it's not that. It's the soul of humankind. Your soul is a miniature of the human species. It is a micro of the macro. As part of the macro, you have all the power of the macro calibrated to the individual form of certain frequencies. You form collective energies that help the whole evolve, although they are not themselves souls and do not have souls. In between the macro and the micro are the various experiences afforded the individual human soul, learning within a group, participating in group evolution, such as the evolution of your country, your religion, and the individual personal experiences that comprise the human experience. I love that. That's amazing, Matt. I I need to sit with that one for a second. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to read that back over because there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. It's really lovely. I have a little poem this week. Uh, it's one of my favorite poems. It's, it's short and sweet uh, by Edna St. Vincent Millay. Uh, it's one I think you should probably read somewhere beautiful and grassy and sunny, somewhere in the middle of nature where you feel at peace, because that's the sort of feel I get from this poem. I will be the gladdest thing under the sun. I will touch a hundred flowers and not pick one. I will look at cliffs and clouds with quiet eyes, watch the wind bow down the grass and the grass rise. And when lights begin to show up from the town, I will mark which must be mine and then start down. Wow, that was like something out of a, I I like imagined, I I had pictures in my head as you were reading that off, that was awesome. I completely agree. That's beautiful. Yeah, good choice. I wanted to, now that things are starting to open up a little bit, um, like some, like the talk of businesses opening is, is coming closer and things like golf courses are starting to open up slowly, but surely I feel like I've had a little bit more of a positive attitude overall this week. Um, thinking about like the fact that things are starting very slowly to, to get better. Um, so I, I wanted to look up some like positive future quotes. Um, so I liked these two. Um, the first one's by Abraham Lincoln. The best thing about the future is that it comes one day at a time. And I think that really speaks to what we've been going through, especially, I feel like all of us have kind of been checking the news like every single day to try to find what's new, what's, what else is happening um, at least that's what I felt like every day has just been like checking the news and finding slowly finding things out one thing at a time. And then my next one's by Peter Drucker. The only thing we know about the future is that it will be different, mm. which I think also speaks to what's been happening and hopefully for the better. Mm. Nice. Nice quotes, you guys. <laughs> Yeah, very nice. Well done. Well done overall. Well, uh, 
We talked a lot this week, but that's great. Um, thank you all for listening to this episode of Music Wing. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and get uh, new episodes every Wednesday. Our theme music is composed by Peter Bell of the Class of 2020 and James Cadra of the Class of 2021. Thank you all for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.